expose my mind to clarity. Oh, my spirit shudders. Capture the moment, oh, to keep my sanity. The wisdom rushing in. So much clearer Everybody, welcome back to another episode of Oh Shoot. This is a much requested episode. We've done this a few times, but I am back on the podcast with Charlie. Hello, everybody. I hope you're doing well. Yes. So Charlie's here. We haven't done a confession episode in like a couple months, like maybe two or three months. So I wanted to throw another one out there because you guys just have the wildest stories like literally (laughs) just some of these stories are insane so yeah we're gonna go through some fun confessions but charlie welcome back yeah it's good to be be back i mean we've been really busy um life has been going fast as i'm sure it has for all of you as well Um, yeah but yeah just hard to keep up sometimes so what are you drinking today i'm currently drinking my french press coffee as you can see, maybe you can see in front of me. So the reason I asked what you're drinking is because I wanted to share what I'm drinking. <laughs> so I normally drink like matcha chai, but I got an Olipop today and I'm drinking it out of a cute little cup. Is it so, root beer? Yes. A kay. root beer Olipop. We're not really pop people, so... Or soda, depending on where you're from. Sorry if I offended anyone. I'm sure everyone listening says soda. Yes, I apologize. I'm sorry. It's Not okay. my point. <laughs> we don't really drink soda. We don't drink pop. Um, so to be able to try out the Olipop or Olipop, however you pronounce it, and you know, try a bunch of different flavors. The one that I've had previously was like a orange creamsicle, I believe. Yeah. Wasn't my favorite, but willing to try other ones. Yeah. Okay, so what's been new? Do you have any updates for the listeners? I mean, I feel like all my updates are basically just house renovations and where we're at in life with those different things. Uh, I mean, editing has been good recently, just trying to get through our first wedding of the season, which is fun. Yeah, We had a fun time out in California. yeah, I mean, we just had some carpet done in our house, which was really cool. Uh, I ripped out a couple of things, like a door jam at the bottom of our staircase to try and open up the entrance to our basement, too. Uh, our house is like a split-level home, so the staircase to the basement actually opens up to still pretty tall ceilings in the basement, which is sweet. Uh, but there was a door jam that kind of like made it lower on the entrance than what the actual height of the ceiling was. So yeah, I just wanted to, I, I was like staring at it for a long time, trying to think whether or not I could actually take it out. And I decided to just pull the trigger when we were ripping the carpet out to get ready for the new carpet. And I'm pretty pleased with the way it turned out. Yeah. Yeah. It looks really good. I, <laughs> I am like a new carpet type of girly now is what I've discovered because 
this new carpet has like changed the way that I feel about our basement and like our upstairs, um, which I knew that it would, but I just didn't realize how much of a difference it makes. It literally makes it feel like a new house. Like when your carpet is new, it literally feels like a new house. Yeah. We had done most of the flooring in all the other areas of the house, or at least like the main living spaces of the home. So to be able to kind of do the the main living rooms were both carpet and it was original to the house, which we got cleaned when we first came through and we had done some stain treatments and different things, but it was still yeah. pretty it was musty rough. and grungy. So yeah. uh yeah, definitely don't underestimate the justice that new carpet can do for your old home, your old fixer upper because yes. it has done a wonder for us. Yes. So the other thing that I wanted to mention is we're currently recording this in our living room, which this is the first time that I've like really recorded a podcast or done like any type of content in our living room. Um, I think part of the reason is because when we got new carpet in here, we rearranged the furniture a little bit and like the couch that we're sitting on faces the window. So it's like good for lighting because before I thought about recording my podcast in the living room, but like the good couch I would sit on was like side lit and it just wasn't, wasn't good for lighting. So, um, yeah, that's, that's another thing. If you're watching on YouTube, you will see we're in the living room. Yeah. And Welcome to the living room. Hope you enjoy the space. Yes. Hope you enjoy it. Um, so the only other thing that I wanted to say for this intro part is, um, I told everyone on last week's podcast about, the toiletry bag situation. <laughs> it was a very tragic situation. It was very tragic. Um, so I just kind of wanted to hear your thoughts and your side on that because I, you know, obviously shared my experience, but just let everyone know about how, how I traumatized you. <laughs> I am not sure every detail that Cassidy shared with you uh, because I didn't, I didn't listen to the episode. Sorry. Um, but she tried to initially blame it on my uncle for distracting her. Oh, no, I didn't. I said it was my fault. But what I will say is like his uncle like said goodbye to us and must have seen the toiletry bag on the car. It was right there and like let us drive away with the toiletry bag on the car. So part of me is like all this could have been avoided if he would have just said something. I guess I could ask him like if he saw the bag. I not. guarantee you he didn't see it. Really? Yeah. I feel like you would have seen it, but maybe just because of like the excitement of the day. He he's, didn't. he's a little bit more vertically challenged of the people in my family, so I don't think oh. he necessarily has like short. a very good line of sight to the top oh, of the vehicle. okay. Gotcha. And we were driving a Subaru Outback that had like roof rails on it, so it was kind of taller even with that. Oh. So I don't That's know. I, I don't think he really saw it. Long story short, I don't want to get lost in that detail. Initially, Cassidy, when we were retelling the story to my sister at the end of the wedding day, tried to blame it on my uncle. And I, in the moment, or at least the way that I saw it myself, tried to control my reaction as best I could while we were shooting. Because you did, you did. We had the bride and the uh, bride of honor, or bride of honor, excuse me, the, <laughs> the maid of honor. Uh, with us in the car. Yeah. And so I was like, I can't, I can't really lose my cool at the moment. And I'm not really the type of person to ever have like an episode, but 
I probably would have been a little bit more animated had it been just Cassidy and I together. Um, yeah, I that's definitely a, tried to control my response to that. That's literally what I said in like when I was telling the story in last week's episode. I literally said that you were like you held your composure and like we kind of moved on from it. But I could tell that you were like upset by it, which rightfully so I would have been upset too. But you like didn't really like let that on. So that's what I said. Well, I appreciate you sharing that. And I <laughs> am thankful that you felt that I also kept my cool. Yeah, decently. you did. You did. I mean, I had to run out in traffic yeah. and I'm in my suit and I'm like in these Doc Martin Oxford shoes that I bought and love, but they're like cutting my ankles. So I'm like, cause they're brand new. So I'm running into traffic. My ankles are on fire. My stuff is smashed inside of my toiletry bag. <laughs> the bride and maid of honor and, Cassidy are waiting on me so I'm like this is a very hectic situation so yeah I tried to just keep it under wraps and move forward with it but it did set me back like a week or so I just like like waiting for all like trying to source all of the random products that I had that I didn't really realize that I had kind of like manicured this you know just personal set of stuff yeah and we all do that like you all have your own little like go-to products that you use over time so I just didn't really think about it in the moment realizing like wow this is I I have like quite a few things that I need to like replace now because of this so I mean just think about it for yourself if you were ever out traveling or something and you lost your entire toiletry bag like yeah I mean a lot of stuff to right take care of yes it's true and you know sometimes though like not to not to just like completely skew the situation, but I wouldn't be completely mad if someone did run over my makeup bag because it would be like an opportunity for me to like replace my stuff or like get something new. You know what I mean? Like I can't even imagine how expensive it would be if you had to replace all of your stuff. Yeah. Compared to me, like I still spent probably a little bit over a hundred bucks replacing all my stuff because yeah. I had just random things that I need, needed to buy. And then I also got a new bag as well. So it was like, I just had a, like a random list of things. But if you were yeah. to do that with all your makeup. Right. I don't even know if I could. Like, I don't even think I like can keep accurate track of everything that I have. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I would just replace the things that I use daily. But I, yeah, I just, I don't know if I off the top of my head could even think of everything I'd replace. That's why I would just get like new stuff. Like I just get stuff that I want, you know? Yeah. The funniest thing that I didn't really think about that was going to be the biggest setback for me in losing that bag. As a guy with a mustache, I did not realize how integral a round brush had become to my grooming routine or like yeah. getting ready to brush routine. like your to curl. literally get my curl on my mustache so yeah i yeah it took me a long time to get a new one back in from uh amazon that we ordered so yeah well i'm glad that you're back and you are able to continue your mustache routine now we're back and better than ever mustache man is back he has returned for a while it was just kind of like oh there's that man with that like long mustache but now with it curled mustache man Texas Longhorn or uh, Curly Q. Yeah, 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 that's true. All right, so let's get into some confessions. We should do it. Yeah, so we have confessions. As you guys know, Charlie sometimes has a hard time reading them for some reason. So um, I'll go first. And (laughs) what? (laughs) 
I am here to pledge that I am going to kill this reading. Yeah. The thing that messes <laughs> me up is the way some of you type. Charlie. I said it. <laughs> I said it and I will stand by it. Okay. Yeah. Sometimes like when there's typos or like not enough punctuation, it's confusing. Yeah. I get we that. We love you guys and we thank you for your submissions, but work on your grammar. Okay. So I'll read the first one. Back in... F- <laughs> Okay, so this this one has a grammar thing already. Dang it. Okay. Back in my first days of my photography business, I lost an SD card in a field of long grass during back-to-back family sessions. I spent almost the entire night walking around the field to find it, but I never did. I even re- recruited my siblings and my parents to help me look. The family was so gracious, and I refunded them and reshot their photos. To this day, I still drive by that field and think about the SD card with a full family shoe on it somewhere in the grass. <laughs> And it honestly could probably be recovered if you found the SD card. No, for real. It amazes me what some of these SD card recovery companies can get out of old stuff that's been damaged or uh, formatted. Um, Well, I feel like, though, like if it's in the grass, it probably has been like rained on. It's been muddy and stuff. That's that's what I'm saying. Even with that, the recovery process that some of these companies are able to get like data or whatever off of yeah uh damaged goods yeah is insane to me yeah so maybe you should uh get a metal detector get yourself a metal detector that is smart get yourself a pointer dog have the dog smell your camera and get your scent (laughs) and then go out with your metal detector get your hunting pointer dog and Go find yourself that session. A metal detector is a really good idea. Honestly, though, it's like, is it really worth well, the, yeah, paying the, for a metal detector? I was going to say, it, the, the time is not actually yeah. worth it. But if you're that keen on getting it back, yeah. you'll do what it takes. Yeah. Okay. So I am so sorry that you have to deal with that and you have to think about the SD card every time you drive by. It's like a little ghost that haunts you, you know? the ghost of the SD card <laughs> in the field. <laughs> I'm getting like creepy vibes from the story for some reason. It's like the middle of this field with this long grass. And every time I drive by, I think of it and the it's ghost lost of the park. forever. The ghost of the park took the SD card. Babe, no one can hear you when you whisper like that. <laughs> I have to whisper right into the mic. <laughs> the ghost of the park took the SD card. The You're saying the ghost to the park of of the SD card, the ghost of the park. The ghost. It's of okay. The park. Don't worry about it. We'll just move yeah, past. Yeah, I it just don't really feel like that's the best wording. But I, okay. you just were trying to like make it into a different story, so I thought I'd add to it, but I guess I'm only making it worse. <laughs> Here's the next one. It, very short. I found a recent wedding client on a dating app. First of all, slay. You're always working. Even when you're like trying to date someone, always got that that switch in your head of like, you know, you could be a wedding client. So, okay, is this this is the scenario I'm thinking of. Like this person like matches with someone and they talk for a little bit, but maybe it doesn't work out. But then maybe like they kind of stay friends or whatever, and then this other the person that they were talking to ends up getting married to someone else and then asks this person to be the photographer. Right. So like it's like no like wedding client, like someone that 
I okay, maybe we are interpreting this. A I little found bit a me, recent I'm, wedding client on a dating app. Yeah, like someone who they already did their wedding. Oh, I was oh, <gasps> bro. Yeah, I was gonna say you interpreted that differently. Than I, I was did. thinking like I found a wedding client on a dating app. Like I booked a wedding from the dating app. Oh, but you're saying like I, I'm thinking oh. they're talking about like someone who they shot their wedding. Yeah. They just recently saw them on a dating app. That makes more sense. And that is crazy. The confessions. Yes. Bro, that's insane. I mean, especially if it was recent, I would be like, yeah. It's either like they broke up or it's like this person's like sneaking behind the back of their partner. Both are like crazy. Okay, I'll read the next one. Sorry, I was waiting for you to read it, but it's me. (laughs) The way that this one starts out. I wasn't wearing underwear at one of my first paying shoots this year. (laughs) Okay, first of all. (laughs) Okay, never mind. I'll just keep going. But I had a long dress that went to my ankles. So I was like, yeah, this will be fine. We were climbing some rocks on the beach and my backpack was so heavy. I lost balance and fell straight onto my butt legs in the air my dress came up and this poor senior got way more than she paid for that's for sure (laughs) that is so funny also like it's a senior so like was that that's probably illegal (laughs) yeah yeah so you put it like that i think what we've learned is like wear underwear when you do shoots yeah and honestly sometimes even like thongs like don't even like I want full granny panties because you just never know. Like, that's why I'm so scared to wear, like, dresses and stuff to weddings or, like, anything that I shoot, but specifically weddings. Like, I'm just, like, you never know what's going to happen. Like, a gust of wind could take my long dress and, like, bring it all the way up to my head. Like, you just, I don't know. I feel like it's just so unpredictable. I'm always wearing, like, spandex under all my dresses. Trying to stay ahead of your Marilyn Monroe moment? Yeah. I'm trying to, like, not have a situation like we just read yeah that's horrifying i would be mortified i would just stop the session i'd be like here's your money back like please just go away like (laughs) i will tell you i have worn underwear for all of our shoots good oh my gosh good for you as a confession (laughs) okay One time, I didn't double-check the address I put in my phone and ended up driving almost two hours in the opposite direction of the wedding I was shooting. Backstory. My lead shooter texted me the address, but my phone didn't recognize the town, only the street number and road name. So I guess I was closer to that address in another state (gasps) than that address. I ended up driving like 70 miles per hour and was only 45-ish minutes late. And scream cried in the car the whole time. Oh, that's horrible. Wait, so it said that there was another photographer there? So I'm guessing this person was like a second shooter oh, that was then, working underneath of this other photographer okay. and was supposed to meet them there. Oh, but the based lead on shooter texted the address. Based on the address they got, the phone didn't really pick up <gasps> the right spot oh and gosh. took them to a different spot in a different state. That actually happened to us with an Airbnb that we just stayed at. Like, not obviously, like, it wasn't a shoot, but, like, when they gave the address of it, they didn't give, like, city, state. They just gave the street name, and there literally was 
a house with that street name that was an hour away from us, like in the middle of the state versus we were going all the way up and it was like two and a half hours away. And so I like, I knew that the place we were supposed to go was North and like about two hours away. So when I saw it was an hour, I was like, that's not right. And I looked, it literally was like, it was taking me to a different address. Yeah. And sometimes the issue is, is you have like similar city names or even sometimes the exact same city names, but different places. Yeah. And even sometimes the same street in different cities. Yeah. I actually had that once when I was back for the college and we were doing uh, like music. Uh, <laughs> for we the college. For the, for the college that we were going to. Excuse me. I didn't really <laughs> speak in impartial, impartial sentences. It's okay. Um, we were traveling for music stuff. And it was like a like a Midwest kind of tour, and it was from like New York all the way through like Ohio, Indiana. So it's a long drive. But one of the churches that we were supposed to be like visiting and going to to do music at, we got the wrong town name. And the driver that was with us, which I could tell you the name of the person, but they ended up driving the opposite uh, to the wrong town. Uh-huh. And then we get to the time of where we're supposed to be rolling up and getting set up for this service that we're yeah. going to be doing. And the the guy calls from the church that's like one of the hosts. And he's like, where are you guys? And like, we're almost to your place. Like, <gasps> we're over here. And then we realized, or not we, the driver realized he had dro- dr- driven two hours <gasps> towards Ohio yeah. Instead of crossing the border and going into Indiana, yeah. the town that we were supposed to be at. So we flip around because of the way that they had things scheduled out. You were supposed to have like a buffer of time to be able to get this entire setup, like mobile setup for all of the music stuff and then have time for a sound check and then still have a little bit of extra buffer time yeah. to be able to just mingle and meet people and then yeah. actually go into the service. So that moment, we flipped everything around, the van, the trailer, all the stuff. We had another van that was caravanning with us, which I don't understand why they didn't tell us at the time that we were going to the wrong spot. I guess they were just all caught up in it as well in the same confusion. And so we turn around and get over there and rush to that other spot. Yeah. And we basically get to the church as it's like supposed to be starting. And we just do an, a, com- a completely acoustic setup. Oh, without practicing or doing anything yeah, and just ran it the way we had yeah. to. And we were all like super stressed out about that it. That is but so stressful. Honestly, this, this happens more often than you would think. Yeah. I feel like a lot of the confessions we get are like, I went to the wrong spot. Like I was reading through some of the confessions and there were multiple that were saying like, I went to the wrong spot. And like, it's almost like, like, you can't be like two hours early to everything. Cause like it would just be crazy to do that. But like in a situation like that, like sometimes it is better to leave yourself like an extra hour or 30 minutes when you're driving somewhere, just in case something does happen and like, just give yourself a little bit of buffer time. I'm the type of person that will like be like, Oh, I'm supposed to get there at 1130. It takes me 30 minutes to get there. I'll leave at 11. Like I literally give myself to the minute like time to get there but I feel like it would be a good practice to not do that and like give yourself like 30 extra minutes yeah and I think I think because having GPS mapped out to the minute that's how a lot of people are nowadays is everybody is like right. 
more so thinking about right down to the minute rather than giving yeah. yourself buffer time. Yeah, it's like I want to like maximize my time and be efficient, but like sometimes you gotta leave early. Okay. Um. So this next one is long. I had a two-hour elopement booked. When the bride sent me the location, I have a feeling that this is a location one. When the bride sent me the location, I clicked it and saw the picture from Google Maps, and I freaked out because I thought it was a place I've always wanted to shoot at. Fast forward to the day, I got to the location one hour early to make sure everything was good. I I was in awe of the beautiful place. <laughs> Sorry, this is hard to read. I was in awe of the beautiful place. Then it comes time for the scheduled meetup and she messages me saying she's by the soccer fields. I pause in disbelief for a second and say soccer fields. There's no soccer fields in this park. And that's when I realize I'm at the wrong location. I look up the directions to the correct place and it's over an hour away. The places are extremely similar. They have very similar mansions and gardens. So I got too excited thinking it was the one I had on my bucket list. Short story, I missed the ceremony they had. We did 45 minutes of photos. I offered them a refund and a photo album. They said it was fine, and then I got ghosted afterwards. It took them two months to download the photos, and I never got an address to send the album. It's more like a nightmare story. I sure learned a lot from this, and now I confirmed the location at least twice prior to the session and event. I think we've exhausted our point on communicating about Mm -hmm. correct addresses. Have we learned nothing? I think it kind of sucks that like you just like tried your best to make up for it. And they like in the moment they were nice, which I guess is good. But then like afterwards, like they just ghosted you and like didn't want the album. They basically wanted nothing to do with the whole thing. Mistakes happen. Yeah. Yeah. And this person has learned from it, they said, which is awesome. That's what we want. We are learning from these stories, guys. I bet you are always in the right place at the right time now. Oh, yeah, for sure. I would be. Definitely. Here's the next one. I went to a shoot. I went to I went to shoot an engagement. And when I arrived at the proposal spot, she was crying, not happy tears. I asked what was wrong. And he said he had already proposed. And she said no. It was really awkward. And I just left. Then he called me 20 minutes later to ask if I could come come back because she had changed her mind. I said no, <laughs> but ended up doing them later. They broke off the engagement a year later. Wow. I How, how did the proposal happen before the photographer got there? Like, uh, that's what I'm thinking, like... How does it just happen? Like, because this person obviously hired a photographer, so like they pop the question without the photographer being there, even though they hired the photographer. That's weird. I wonder if like maybe the girl like sensed that he was going to propose and then like started to kind of have a talk with him about it. And then like, that's kind of how it happened. Yeah. That's yeah. She probably caught wind of it. And yeah. Tried to get out ahead of it. Right. Yeah. So then like, they're not embarrassed in front of a photographer, you know, like, and then the dude just, tried to continue to yeah coerce her into engagement yeah well obviously like she changed her mind which that in itself is like <laughs> like if you said no like trust your gut and don't say yes right after like i'm sure he influenced her saying like deciding to say yes you know i mean it's complicated 
Oh, yeah, I'm Relationships sure. are so tough at yeah. times. Just trying to figure out those things is so many, so many facets to think through. So yeah, it's not always super clear cut. It's true, but I think the awkward part of it is for the photographer, like yeah, like definitely. showing up and then it just being like they're in tears, like already, and then like getting a call like later and being like, hey, can you come back? Like I'm glad that the photographer said no. Honestly, like. I'm such a pushover. I might have been like, oh, sure. Like, I'll take, yeah, sure. I'll take the photos right now. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, that's a, that's a tough spot to be. Photographers, I swear, like, just get, like, all the family drama. They get, like, all the tea. They deal with all the baggage, you know? Like, I feel like that's just part of the job, you know? Okay. Sometimes the reason I won't post a client's shoe or wedding is because I hate the editing direction they decided to go with, even though I did it. <laughs> well, are you confused by that? I don't. I Yeah, like the editing direction. Like, aren't you the I person th- that controls that? I think they meant to say the editing direction I decided to go with, even though I did it. Like, not not saying that the client chose the editing direction. Yeah, even still, if you look at your work in its completion following and you look back on it, like, recent enough that you would be posting it to social media, why wouldn't you just change your editing? Because sometimes it just it takes time. Like, that's a lot of work to, like, re-edit a session. Like, that's a lot of time, and sometimes it's just not worth it. You know, like, if the client liked that it and, like, the photos, like, yeah. It's just a lot of time that it takes to re-edit just for a post. I guess. I guess it makes sense. I I am still r- relatively new to the process of editing galleries in their completion and its holistic nature of, like, beginning to end. I've only kind of previously done just, like, small editing segments. So I guess I'm not really able to relate to that yet. Um, just the feeling of looking back on your work yeah and being like man like why what was i thinking when i did this but um i'm I'm sure i'll get to that point <laughs> yeah i i feel like this person like yes the editing is like that's a decision and like that changes the photos but i do feel like a lot of the times it's like the way that it's shot as well so it it's kind of tricky like i definitely feel this like Sometimes it's like I I took the photos, I edited them. This is completely like my doing, but I just don't like how they turned out. Like I feel like that's just part of like the artist side of it is like literally being like I created this and I don't like it. Like it's just how it goes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's different seasons, there's ebbs and flows that mm-hmm. your editing takes different directions over time. Yes. All right. I once asked a bride to unbend her wrist when doing bridal photos in front of her entire wedding party. Turns out she had a medical condition and physically couldn't. And I had no idea. Oh, no. That is, that's just tough. It's tough. There's no, there's no way of knowing unless you like ask on a questionnaire, you know. That's, yeah. Yeah, like a things I should know type of. Yeah. Like, hey, my wrist is like pretty crooked and I can't really do anything about it because I've got X, Y, Z. Right. But I don't know. Sometimes it's like, I just don't want to disclose some things. Like, let's just not be nosy and like just, 
Yeah, but I feel like at that point, maybe it's just, like, take social cues. Like, yeah, mm, that's so tough. I feel like if there's, like, something physical that I see, I don't always address, like, that exact thing. It's almost like I try to, like, either change the pose or do something different and see if that thing changes. And if it doesn't, then it's like, oh, that might be, like, a medical condition. Yeah, or, like, yeah. Oh, but that's just, oh, I can imagine that feeling that you have after you say that. And it's like, I just want to crawl in a hole. Yeah, I, uh, we used to have a professor that would talk about being stuck in awkward situations. And it was related to trying to get to know new people. And it was just based on relating to different people in different social settings. Mm -hmm. And he would talking to like he had this phrase of saying uh stew in a crock pot of like feeling like we know it's awkward but i'm just going to stew in the crock pot what like i'm going to get in this mean? and just let the awkwardness like the awkwardness of the situation i'm just going to get in the middle of it and just let it cook okay like it, it is what it is You're i can't just, change yeah. it like we know it's super awkward just going to let it stew in a crock pot okay that's an interesting saying. I wouldn't ever personally say that saying. Yeah. As like a catchphrase, <laughs> but for some reason that has always like stuck in my mind now when I yeah. think about awkward situations. I'm like I can't change it. Right. You can't change it. Yeah. We're going to just do this. Right. Yeah, it's uh, you could use the phrase like I can't change it. Like you know, No, I know. I it's just funny. Yeah, that's that is very that's funny. Okay, so this next one is from a sports photographer. It says, I did pics at my ex's school. He's still in high school. Um, even though I knew I wasn't gonna have anyone book me from it, but I knew him and his friends seeing that I was successful in my business, that he didn't support my business would make him mad. So that's why you did the photos. It's petty, but you know, if you've got the time to be petty, be petty, I guess, you know? <laughs> I guess uh, there's a reason why it's an ex. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, like. Were they an ex? So I guess, uh, yeah, okay. I am sorry. It just I just occurred to me that they were already your ex by the time of you going to do oh, the photos, yeah. which is. Well, I'm assuming took that. Took me a second. It kind of feels like part of the reason they are an ex is because they don't support this person's business. So like they should they should support your business. I I just can't grasp that concept of like not supporting what your partner wants to do and like their dreams and passions. Like why would you literally why would you not support them? You know, like maybe okay, like let's say this person like like their ex kind of doubted them because of like financials. Okay. Like, Oh, you, like becoming a full-time photographer. That's hard financially. I get that. But at the same time, like you can voice that and not just be like completely against it too. You know? Yeah. I mean, or like the idea, like some people might just think it's not a very realistic goal yeah. to go full-time with it yeah. or to actually uh, pursue it as a career so maybe they just had some preconceived notion of like i think what you're doing is kind of dumb to be honest but then by the time that she was actually getting successful and making a living for herself 
kind of turned into more like bitterness or jealousy from mm-hmm. from the other person. Yeah, we actually don't know if it's a girl. So whoever I've been guy trying to say excuse they, me because we just don't know. It's hard to, hard to tell. Yeah, it's this person's an ex for a reason. That's all I gotta say. Like, let's keep him there. And you know, if you want to flaunt around at school and just be like, "Here's my camera. I'm I'm a good photographer." Like go you like you do it you you stay confident I feel like for me I would be so like I wouldn't want to be seen and like I feel like it would be so awkward and like I would not have the confidence to um just like walk around around my ex and be like here's me like living my best life like I feel like that would be challenging so good for this person like got the confidence and confidence is key in photography for sure and really even sports photography too oh being yeah able to catch the right moment at the right time mm-hmm. that's true here is our next confession i accidentally put an alarm instead of a calendar note scheduling and my phone started ringing when the wedding started at church oh, no. i turned it off and act like it never happened luckily no one picked up that it was me after <gasps> that is horrible horrible have you ever had your phone go off during a ceremony i literally literally never have my phone on full ringer my phone has vibrated before like in my back pocket and like i've been like up at the front and like i feel like the vibration is kind of loud yeah i mean if it's a quiet enough moment you definitely could hear the vibration but yeah it's i've definitely shot many weddings where someone phone someone's phone goes off like honestly it happens more often than it doesn't happen yeah and usually it's during like a a good time though i've never had it happen like at a horrible time but i feel like the entire wedding like it going off for any of the ceremonies that, at that time. i don't think there's ever really a good time to yeah. be honest i think what's bad about that is like it was the photographer's phone and like you had good intentions but then like those intentions just like really came back and bit you in the butt i feel like the photographer like must have been so surprised that it was them because they just didn't expect their phone to go off you know like you thought you set a calendar and had no idea that you set a literal alarm yeah it's probably disorienting in the moment because you're thinking why is my phone going off or you're thinking what loser has their ringer on (laughs) yeah you're like (laughs) looking around like Someone needs to turn their phone off. Yeah. Clearly. And it's literally you. I need to turn my phone off. Yeah, for (laughs) real. My fiance and I are both impatient and we did our own first look last night by ourselves in my kitchen. And then we danced. Our wedding is in three weeks. LOL. (laughs) That's just cute. I'm sure it was a precious moment. Oh, yeah. And if that is you and your vibe, like, why not? Like do it like that's so cute as long as yeah i guess as long as you guys are both on the same page about it yeah it's adorable i love it i love that it's like the secret thing though and like you like it's three weeks away and like you're just like both too excited and like you just want to do a first look like that's so cute it's adorable did you have a photographer probably they probably didn't did you record the moment did you set up your phone on the side who knows I Just mean, for yourself, not even for social if media. If they're writing into a photographer podcast, I feel like they must prioritize photo a little bit. 
don't you think? Oh, please tell me you documented it in some way. Yeah, that would be so cute. Just like a little video, like dancing in your kitchen. This is a video confession podcast. Send in your video confession yeah. of the moment that you guys danced to your first look three weeks before your wedding. So cute. I can't. We should have done that. No. <laughs> I forgot to configure my settings between my two cameras for a wedding, and I accidentally shot my couple's first dance and parent dances and giant guest group photo <gasps> in JPEG. Oh, no. Delivered the gallery, and the couple hasn't said anything. So? It is what it is. The thing that sucks about that is it's so beneficial to shoot in raw during low light moments because you're really able to like bring out a lot of detail in like the darker areas of the photo. And I'm assuming like if it's a dances and a reception and like group photos of people, that's probably pretty dark unless you use a flash. So that is a really tough time to have JPEG images. Like if it were during bridal portraits or something, I'd be like, Oh, that's fine. Like whatever. But the fact that it's during like those low light times, like, that is very tragic. Yeah, the moment they're going to, like, realize it is when the family goes to, like, print the big family group photo. Yeah. And it, it's got, like, two pixels yeah, on it. Yeah, for real. But also, like, I don't I don't feel like that's something that necessarily the couple would notice. It, yeah, especially in the final gallery. it's got to be, like, the trained eye. Yeah. Like, it sucks for you, but I really would doubt, like, if the couple would notice. And, yeah. like, like they said, the, the couple didn't notice, so... And I bet you configure all your cameras now. Yeah, for real. Okay, here's the next confession. I hate marketing. Maybe partially due to the fact that I really don't know what I'm doing when it comes to marketing. <laughs> this is funny because I feel like this is a very relatable thing. Like, people just hating marketing. I feel like people just hate it because they don't know what they're doing. You know, like, it's just a common, common confession. This All is right, for quick, the people. rapid fire. Give us your best two not really serious, but very serious marketing tips. Oh. Go. Oh, no. First thing. Um, the first thing I think of is being consistent and authentic on social media. Okay, that it's was very, very serious and very good. So for the second one, think of something that comes to your head that isn't very serious. Um, That's not serious? Cassidy, come on. Um, Don't be afraid to dance in a video and post it. Dance. That's, that's not serious. Break yeah. it. Bust it down. <laughs> bust it down. Break it down. <laughs> <laughs> Who is it? Tatiana? Bust it down, Tatiana? Bro, I don't know. It is. Okay. It is. Okay. <laughs> so, like, what the, the reason I say that is because it kind of goes into, like, the authentic type of thing. But, like, I feel like dancing videos and just, like, videos where you're being silly and goofy, they actually are really good marketing. Like, there are so many social media accounts and, like, TikTok accounts that are just so funny and not serious at all. Like, Duolingo and, like, how that little mascot thing they have, yeah, like, twerks. Yeah, and, like, just is so funny. Like, that's that's kind of the vibe that I'm getting at. Like, it's actually a really good strategy because I think because they're so big on TikTok, their app does well. You know, like, it goes hand in hand. Creates more relatability. Yeah, totally. All right, is it me or you? It's me. Oh, yeah. Don't take my turn. Sorry. There have been multiple times where I didn't charge my camera battery before a shoot, slash didn't bring a backup, and just pretended to take photos <laughs> the last 10 minutes of my client's session because my camera died. My 
anxiety could never do that. Did I ever, I think I did mention this on the podcast once where I had a proposal and I thought I charged all of my camera batteries and I brought three fully charged batteries and all of them didn't charge and all of them were at like 10%. And so I was like switching and like using 5% and then switching halfway through the proposal. It was so stressful. And I just like after, like ever since then, it's like I'm either double checking that everything's charging or I'm bringing a charger with me. That that would be helpful at like a wedding, I guess, like at a session. It's not helpful, but yeah. It's happened before, at least to me. And I, I think we've had other similar confessions before, specifically about the piece of faking the last yeah. s- section of the uh I don't understand how sessions. you do that. And I'm like, guys, let's let's charge our batteries. Yeah. I just I could never like in good conscience do like fake photos for ten minutes and like know that in the final gallery they're not going to get any of those poses like i just couldn't do that yeah because we had that conversation about um faking poses and whether or not your clients actually remember the poses that you have them do yeah i feel like they they have to and i i in that conversation more so argued that a couple's not going to necessarily just remember any random pose that you had them do during a session and then it was i think i read back on the comments and a couple of people were like no yeah i definitely would remember every single pose that a photographer yeah. would have me do yeah and i feel like yeah you remember the poses but you don't necessarily look for it in the final gallery though like i feel like in the final gallery you're just excited you've got photos like you're not like oh where's this one pose that we did walking on this street like why is it not in here yeah i don't know it's kind of hard to tell what people would think about it yeah it's just like it's the 10 minutes at the end of the session like that just really does it for me like for me i am just being like okay my camera battery died that's all we can do like i'm not pushing it to the next step and literally lying and like pretending like I just don't have the acting skills for it. I don't, I can never. (laughs) Okay. Uh, let's go to the next one. I have a three week turnaround time, but it takes me max one day of strict editing to do a session. I'll call the same day of the shoot, but won't edit until the day they're due. That one sounds a little familiar, too. I think it's a common thing that photographers are doing. This is a common occurrence. I don't have the leisure ability to be able to just, like, go super fast with my editing. So I can't procrastinate like that when it comes to working through it. It's true. Charlie is still working at turtle speed when it comes to editing no offense tortoise and the hair cassidy is the hair and i'm the tortoise yeah but you know i don't personally love the idea of procrastinating editing something until the literal due day i feel like clients really appreciate when they get their photos early so unless you have like a mental due date and you're procrastinating to that date i feel like it, it would benefit all the listeners if you do this 
to maybe deliver sooner than the due date. But don't don't deliver it the same day that you call and edit yeah, if you really no. are that fast because right. then some people are going to have some questions. Yeah. I feel like what's hard, though, is right after the shoot, you want to edit and call it. And you just want to deliver it. Like when that's it's fresh on your mind. Yes, when it's fresh. But then there's the other side of it that's like, okay, well, it lost its freshness. It's not as interesting to me. So I'm like, I just want to procrastinate this until the due date. I feel like there's no in between. Like we do this thing where it's like, I want to edit them in Cole immediately after the session or I'm not editing them until the day that they're due. And then there's five weeks in between and there's just nothing, no feeling there, you know? I was going to say, because even a three-week turnaround time is still relatively quick oh i said three weeks okay yeah yeah that is pretty quick yeah i'm i usually shoot for four weeks yeah i mean i think four to six and busy season is kind of the it's four to eight but yeah i never go eight i never go six i'll do like four and a half is like the longest i'll go because i just yeah yeah i don't trust myself all right here's next I have been shooting as a hobbyist for about six years now, and when I am editing photos in Lightroom, a lot of times I feel completely lost because there are editing options that I have never touched in Lightroom. I think that's a very relatable confession. There's a lot in Lightroom. Like, I think the only reason that I know a lot of stuff in Lightroom is because I literally, like, teach people and, like, I make presets and stuff, but... Like you? I, it's literally like. Charlie knows nothing. I feel like I'm in a room just full of objects that I'm not allowed to touch. Oh, yeah. Yes. And please don't touch them. <laughs> <laughs> like I just walk in and how like a little kid like gets yelled at for like touching things in a stranger's house or like the first time their parents bring them to a new house and they're not supposed to touch anything. Yeah. Because they're going to break it or hurt themselves. That's, That's me. That's me with Lightroom. Yeah. I feel like a toddler that is going to break anything I touch. Yeah. I feel like the most common areas that people just don't love or just don't get is the tone curve. And I would say the tone curve is like 80% of the confusion in Lightroom. And then like areas at the bottom, like calibration and like maybe color grading and stuff like that. It's just like most people just stay away from it. I'll they, be real with you. Yeah. <laughs> Some of my confusion is not even related to like options or tabs. It's literally like sometimes I'll accidentally click in a window and I'll get stuck in a certain view and I lose oh. the options that are like sucked <laughs> behind the window and I don't know how to get yeah. out of a window if Charlie, I get into it. Charlie is a little challenged when it comes to... Lightroom and Premiere Pro, which are the main programs that he works in. So there are times where Charlie's like, yeah, I've been staring at my screen for 20 minutes because I can't figure out how to get this window to come back. And I'll be like, oh, hit this button. And then it comes back and he's like, oh, thanks. It is how it goes. You just you kind of have to learn through experience. (laughs) Yeah, I feel pretty dumb often. When I'm editing. Yeah, that's a that's a confession. Sorry. You're really relating to this confession right now. Yeah, this you one are? definitely struck a chord with me. <laughs> it hits home. Um, I can't relate. Unfortunately, I am perfect in Lightroom. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm just kidding. 
I am so unhappy doing family photo sessions and I'm planning on rebranding to elopements only. I'm so scared to make the announcement because family photos are a majority of my bookings, but I know I need to go after what I love doing, which is capturing love and connection between couples. You know, this might not seem like a crazy confession, but to this person who is in just the family photo like area right now, like that's a big deal to want to completely switch and do weddings, elopements, couples. Well, I think they just said elopements, but like to just want to do that, like, and have to tell your clients that like, that's scary. Yeah. I think even the the piece of if they've been in that space for a while Mm -hmm. and most of their connections are, are families, like their clients are people with families and, young families and that's a lot of their like maybe friends or whatever have you um i think there's a a certain level of anticipation of potentially offending people too which could be um adding to the intimidation of wanting to make the switch as well yeah so there's a lot of things that go into and like probably like financials too like if you're used to yeah primarily shooting families and like that's what you've been doing it's hard to know if you're even going to get elopements and get weddings and couples yeah that's so scary but honestly good for you like you can do it though yeah yeah you can especially if you're taking good family photos like people can see your work and your style through family photos you know like yeah and i think a lot like one of the things that we always come back to when we're talking about uh, like we've had conversations of people trying to maybe avoid uh, further work with a certain couple or not wanting to book a wedding with specific people just based on the fit or maybe the direction that people want to go with their wedding doesn't necessarily flow with your style of photography, but they're still, they still have an inquiry with you or whatever. I feel like the thing that we always come back to is just people appreciate honesty and being straightforward about it. And so yeah. I feel like if you've made a lot of genuine connections in the family photo kind of sphere over time, I think if you just tell people when they reach out for more photos, like, hey, I just have really transitioned in my work and wanted to go a different direction with it because I feel a lot more passionate about this specific type of photography. I think people will take that well. Yeah, I mean, some people might be upset about it initially, but if you know them and they really do care about you, they'll support you in it. Yeah, I agree. 100%. You got this. Whoever wrote this in, you can do it for real. Be be real. Be authentic. Okay. I'm actually going to read the next one because, yeah, I feel like I'd be better at reading it than you would be. <laughs> okay. Well, now I feel like I need to read it. Just no, because I'm going to read that. it. The, the thing that's hard is there's like a quote in there. So it's like a whole different level. Do you want to try it? I can read. Uh, we Charlie, we know you can read. We've heard you read. I can read well. Okay, then do it. Okay. All right, all right, all right. Sorry, my bad, my bad. <laughs> Are you Here's the do confession. It? Okay. I deleted the wrong wedding Lightroom catalog, two catalogs of a wedding pictures, one with both cameras and one with only one camera, and delivered their pictures from one angle when there were two cameras going at the same time. Bride and groom have no clue. I have given them pictures from one angle. Delivered the pictures. I even gave them more than promised. She is in love with them. She literally said, it was a pleasure having you as our photographer. You and your man were an amazing team. And we were so (laughs) thankful 
to everything you did for us. I loved the, the mock send-off, too. Great call. Have a great rest of your day, girl. Take care. I didn't miss any moment, but still, I feel horrible. I cried. The reason I didn't give those pictures was because, as mentioned before, I had one catalog with all pictures uploaded, and the other one I only had from one. Did I back them up? Nope. Have I learned my lesson? Yes. Yes, I have. I feel so bad. You read that well. Good job. Other than the fact that you did not shoot with your mom. You yeah, shot with your man. Yes. <laughs> Sorry for the slip up. Uh, yeah. Lightroom catalogs are tricky. Um, just catalogs in general. Also, we've been working in Premiere Pro a lot, which is like video editing. Um, like the project files, it's weird. I think Premiere Pro is a little more confusing than Lightroom catalogs are. But like this just goes to show like double check things before you delete them. Especially if it's something you haven't delivered yet. Like I I have this thing where like I can't format an SD card if I haven't delivered the images off of it yet. Even though I've offloaded it, whatever. You just never know. Um, so this is just a good scenario of like a good example of a scenario where you should double check and triple check things over. I do think it's funny that literally the client didn't notice, which is a little funny to me because I feel like second shooters are so valuable, but like at the end of the day, is it really noticeable if you like do or don't have one? You're in very potentially offensive waters. So tread lightly. (laughs) I just feel like, sometimes like with angles it's hard to tell of like you know it's hard to tell if you had a second shooter or not yeah if you're a good main shooter like it would be hard to tell yeah i don't think i don't think most couples are able to i would say the majority of people looking back on their wedding day are not going to be able to tell yeah which individual took which photo yeah because we, I mean, even we had a second shooter at our wedding, and I, yeah, like, when I looked through tell. our photos, no way for me to tell. It's it's kind of a good thing, though. That means that, like, you and your second shooter have, like, consistent shooting style and everything, too. Yeah. So, wow. Okay. That was crazy. All right. Here is our last confession. High school senior here, and I'm currently in my third year photography class. Each year, I sign this form that's half waiver half things you can and cannot do with the equipment loan to you basically a bunch of rules in that form it specifically says to not use the equipment to benefit yourself meaning making money for yourself with it and i've ignored it once or twice and let people pay me for my photos and my work obviously using the camera and lenses borrowed from my school but here's the catch a couple other kids in my class are doing the same thing and my instructor literally doesn't care he knows about it. Am I really breaking the rules then? This is tricky territory. Yeah, we're talking about matters of the conscience. Yes. Yes, we are. And I have a similar situation that I was in. Um, we've talked a lot about the college that we went to in this episode for some reason. So at that college, I was on staff with them and I was working as their photographer, which I mentioned a couple episodes ago. But basically, 
they had all of their own equipment and stuff. And it was like for the time it was good, like up to date equipment. And technically you couldn't use the equipment to make money or like whatever to benefit yourself. But it was pretty like widely accepted that you would do it. And like everyone would sign waivers to say that they weren't going to, but you just like would do it. So it's, it's tricky because like, it, it was widely accepted and like everyone like used the equipment for personal, but it's, yeah, it's a matter of like whether or not you think it's right or wrong. Uh, personally, I didn't think it was wrong because you know, everyone was doing it. My boss knew that we did it. Like, yeah, it just was like not a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. I would say like looking back on the situation, like whoever this person is that wrote in, you're probably going to look back on it and just be like, Oh, it was kind of silly for me to be worried about that. Like you're probably not even gonna think about it much. Cause it's probably not a big deal. Um, yeah. That's just kind of like what I think. I think sometimes it is as big of a deal as you make of it. And so the more you, talk about it the more you bring it up the more attention you draw to yourself with it the the more issues that are going to arise out, out of it but if you kind of have like an unspoken agreement with your teacher that like hey just don't do anything stupid don't break the equipment right don't sell the equipment <laughs> like then yeah. yeah sure bring it back in one piece a little bit of wear and tear whatever yeah it's the way it is yeah. it's okay yeah yeah, it's a fun situation to be in. Honestly, I loved having gear that wasn't mine so I could almost like try it out and see if I liked it and then I could go buy it for myself. That's where I got to use a lot of like lenses that I probably wouldn't have bought for myself, like the 7200, a 2470, like lenses that I probably yeah, wouldn't have the resources to buy at that time. Um so yeah, it's a cool opportunity, however, yeah. Just be careful, and um, honestly, though, good for you for slaying in high school and doing some shoots. I feel like that is the time where, like, photographers really, like, a, a lot of the photographers I've interviewed on the podcast have said their spark for photography started in high school, and, like, that's how they got to where they are today. Like, it started as, like, this small spark when they were in high school. So if that's you listening, like good for you, you have the spark and just keep going, keep pursuing it. It's yeah. exciting. It's cool that you're able to get this experience that early on. I mean, if you're third year, so you've been doing this since you were like 15, 16 in your sophomore year. So man, I mean, stay with it and keep getting after it. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's all the confessions we have for today. Um, Charlie, thanks for being on the podcast and everyone, thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed another juicy episode of Confessions. And we will be doing another one shortly. But that's it. Do you have anything, any final words to say? No. Thanks for having me on. And uh, sorry for calling any of you out with poor grammar. <laughs> your My poor reading is not your responsibility yes so i'm here to get better and improve i think we both struggle with reading i think that's i i had to redo a reading literally three times on this episode so it's a struggle but thank you guys so much for listening and have a great rest of your day
I'm 